Humans are such amazing creatures. We can use tools. We can invent things. Most importantly, we can dream. We can theorize about things beyond our immediate world. There have been countless magical inventions people have theorized over for centuries. In our lifetimes, many of those have already become real. For example, instantaneous communication around the earth for free? Accessible to everybody? Yep, that got invented long ago. And now it just happens to be in everyone's pocket. And now we have a thousand ways to communicate, not just one. A thousand magic inventions that have been theorized about since the dawn of time. I got one for you. The universal payment machine. What would that look like? How would that work? Like if we were to cut away all barriers and say infinite technology, and what problems does it solve? Well, first of all, it's got to be free to use to every single human on Earth. Of course, right away. No setup fees, no monthly subscriptions, just boom, straight up, 100% free for everyone on Earth to immediately use. Yeah, so that anybody in the world can pay anybody any amount of money instantly for free. Yeah, that would be sweet. <laughs> Obviously, the universal payment machine would have to suit our modern world. For example, it would have to work on phones, most assuredly, the thing that everyone has in their pocket. While we're at it, it should be compatible with every single currency on Earth. And hey, it should be able to swap currencies instantaneously for free, of course. And it should allow us to keep any amount of money in any currency that we choose. For example, U.S. dollars. And while we go shopping around, looking around, or every single price put in front of us is also denominated in U.S. dollars. Sweet! So we get to choose whatever currency we want and just rock with that for life? Yep. And everyone on Earth accepts it, or you can instantly convert it to any currency to pay anybody any type that they want for free? Oh, yeah! Automatically? Sweet! <laughs> it better be easy to use. Oh, you mean it does that all in the background and you don't even have to click the button? Just boom! Like my grandma, I could be like, Grandma, here's a big button that says pay. Here's a big button that says receive. That's it. You're in. Here's a big one. Settlement time. Settlement time. Because look, if I write somebody a check, okay, and then I got to mail it to them, it'll take like four days to get there. And then once they deposit it in their bank, there's this settlement period where they're like, we don't know for sure if it's real or not. So this $500 check will put a... Uh, $500 in your account, but it's on hold for a week or two weeks or whatever the case is. Okay, that's settlement time. Or maybe cr certain credit cards have a month in which they could call back and reverse a charge for whatever reason. Ooh. In other words, if you receive money, did you really receive it? Well, you got to wait until it settles. In some cases, a week or a month or something like that. And for that matter, sometimes things mess up along the way. So settlement in this context means it's for sure done, impossible to reverse. It's done, done, done. If we're buying a yacht, for example, a $40 million yacht, all right, sweet. You uh, you got the yacht, I got the money. How do I pay you? Well, ooh, um, you can't exactly swipe a credit card. <laughs> do I write you a check? Do I bring a bunch of people holding briefcases of cash? Well, how do you know the cash is real? What if some of that's counterfeit? Mm -hmm. Are they all traced bills? I don't know. Uh, what if you get robbed along the way? I mean, $40 million in cash, that's, oof. 
Uh, do you both walk into the bank and then do a bank transfer there in person together? That's probably how they would do it. But if two strangers meet and a guy can just write a check for $40 million and the guy hands him the keys to a boat, it's not settled yet, is it? So our universal payment machine better have instant settlement. That'd be sweet. If you pay someone, it's for sure done, 100%, can't be reversed. Here's the receipt. You see the receipt. I see the receipt. The world sees the receipt. Victory, huh? And it's got to be easy and free to open a new account. For example, if I can open an app and I hit one button that says create new account, ding! Yeah. Anybody on earth, any age, any gender from any country can instantly create an account for free. And they can create infinite of them for free. I tell you, free really helps the adaption rates, truly. <laughs> In other words, a person can create one account and use that for their entire life, or you can have a work account, savings account, you know, however you want to do it. Yeah, that should be free, easy, instantaneous. Okay. Here's another critical component of the universal payment machine. It should not be tied to one geographic jurisdiction. In other words, it shouldn't be a company like Visa that runs the entire Earth all based out of America, making the Earth go round. Nope. The universal perfect payment machine should be public and owned by everybody in the world. By analogy, it should work like email. Nobody really owns email in the world, right? There's no office building with a thousand employees that say, we make email work. Nope. Email is an idea. It's publicly owned code. There's no office for it. There's no place. No government can pass a law and say our internet traffic will not send email anymore. Nope, can't be done. You can't really stop anyone from making an email account and sending an email to somebody. And yes, emails are free. But the concept of email doesn't live in one particular country. It's a public concept. It's public code. Anyone can make their own version of email that they want. No country can go to war with it. No grand jury can call them in for a hearing. It's not a company. It's a free idea. What if we had a money system that worked like that? One that everyone can trust. Owned by nobody, but publicly owned by everybody. One aspect that I think is also important to focus on is all the machines and all the code and everything involved on how this works should be open source which means that everyone can read the code and see exactly how it works line by line what's happening. The opposite of that would be uh, the code and how it works and how it does all the math and how the payment system works is closed and not open to the public. No one can read it. It's up to one company. Visa, for example. Hey, and they, they both work. But if we're making a universal payment machine, the code should be public. And for that matter, anybody in the world can take the code and make their own version of it. Make their own flavor. Go right ahead. Now, here's a real tricky one. The universal payment machine has got to be autonomous, automatic. It works by itself. To say it differently, there is no human stamping documents on the way through. There's no office building. There's no customer helpline. For example, you can't take email, the concept of email, and take it to court. Uh, <laughs> we fine you, free software idea thing, blah, 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 money. That would be farcical. It's got to be autonomous with no people, an idea. It's unsettling to think, wait, there's no customer helpline? What if I have an issue? Exactly. 
All the responsibilities on you. It's unsettling a little bit to think of an autonomous system that handles money. But on the other hand, I could say, when you watch a movie and stream it from Netflix, how exactly does it get from the source to your house? Eh, shrug. That's autonomous. <laughs> For the most part, there's some people maintaining the infrastructure, but broadly speaking, that all happens automatically. It's, it's bots handling those billions of operations. Sweet. What about privacy? There's a lot of people walking this earth that every time they buy something, they don't want to pay with a check showing their phone number, address, social security number, bank account number, and uh, full information every single time they make a payment. In certain cases, you want to give all that information, sign it, and validate it. Sure. In other cases, you just want to make a payment. So unlike a credit card that actually has your full name right there on the card itself, it would be beautiful if our universal machine here gave us the option of including it all or revealing nothing. Oh, and whatever we come up with, I got to add one more. It ought to be permanent or long term. In other words, if I put $100 in one of my accounts in my payment machine, it'll be there next year, exactly the same, untouched. It'll be there in 100 years, it'll be there in 1,000. It's impossible to steal and never goes away. So it's got to be permanent and accessible. You know that one guy that was president that one time? Yeah, that guy? Well, yeah, it's that guy's day, so all the banks are closed. Sorry, bank holiday. Can't have that happen. <laughs> So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single day for the next 100 years, it's going to work perfectly with zero days off under any circumstances, totally automatic, just like email. Yes. And from the usability standpoint, it should have all the normal banking payment options. For example, bill pay, pay $400 to such and such account number once a month. Other use cases include you want to set up an inheritance for your grandchild. Pay them XYZ a month for the rest of their life. Every single payment option, bill pay feature, or payment contract you can think of should all be free and built in from the beginning. And obviously super easy to use. Let's face it, you can do that with email, can't you? Schedule it for a future date or, hey, mail this same newsletter out once a month. Not complicated, same idea. So email is like the universal message network but all we can do is lick our lips and dream about the universal payment network. And it ought to be ubiquitous and accepted everywhere. There's no point in having a perfect system if no one accepts it. Imagine your plane lands in the Tokyo airport. Walk out onto the streets of that beautiful city. Everywhere you walk, everybody uses the universal payment machine. Year by year, I see more and more QR codes at the checkout counter. The name of the app and the network of choice will differ from country to country, for sure. But they're all fundamentally a payment address. It'd be nice if the universal payment machine worked like that. No equipment to buy, no setup burden, just a scannable QR code. If you go to Zaire and you buy coconuts, Ireland and order a pint, Brazil and want to pay your tour guide, or sitting at home ordering something off of Amazon, one universal machine does it all. One network does it all. That'd be sweet. I promise you this, ladies and gentlemen. The universal payment machine and network will be invented, put in place, 
and household within our lifetimes. As it stands, this is the primary hope and use case for cryptocurrencies. And I've got to use the plural because there's a lot. <laughs> Fun fact, if you look at how many cryptocurrencies are minted or tokens are minted, whoo, it's uh, perhaps over 10,000 a day. So definitely use the plural. <laughs> Cryptocurrency is an idea. It's not one thing. Email is an idea. That doesn't just mean you send simple texts only. There are countless versions that let you do whatever you want. When we think about domain names such as hotmail.com, gmail.com, aol.com, and so forth, we could almost think about it like their own gated garden. But nothing's stopping you from registering a hundred new domain names tomorrow and set up all the email names you want. Go ahead. Multiple versions of the universal payment machine currently exist right now, today, in March 2023. Heck, they existed in March 2017. <laughs> As it stands, a few things that it solves well include creating a new account is instantaneous and free, yes. Around 2.5 billion people have no access to the banking system. Likewise, 75% of folks in poverty have no payment system. Maybe a bank's just too far away, another island or mountain. Or maybe they just don't have an ID or birth certificate. Many women in Islamic countries are not allowed to have bank accounts. So in our middle-class modern world, a payment system is something we take for granted. But the solution for these folks will look a lot like download a free app, couple beeps, you're in. So the cryptocurrency network is an ideal solution for many people because it's open, free, and has none of those considerations. It is fundamentally simple. Any account number anywhere in the world can pay any other account number anywhere in the world freely, easily with no restrictions. Using an automated and agnostic system. It is automated in the sense that it happens 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and cryptocurrency systems are built such that all they do is move from one account to another account. That's it. Nothing more. Beyond that, it just works. Now, how about cost and speed? Well, let's remind ourselves that cryptocurrencies is a broad term grouping together millions of different ideas and styles and flavors. Yeah, some of them can cost 20 bucks to 50 bucks a transaction, and that could take an hour. Some can be done and settled in five minutes for a dollar. There are some of them that are instantaneous, and you can do 100,000 transactions for a dollar. So depending on your use case, you can pick and choose which is the most suitable. Oh, and conversions. Yeah, they already have autonomous, agnostic, currency translator software system networks. That's a lot of words. As it stands, quite a few currencies are already being pegged. That means for the dollar, they have a crypto version of the dollar. Euro, crypto euro, or euro coin. South Africa, China, the yen. Most major currencies have a crypto pair. Now, I use a lot of different networks for different things, but just to give an example, let's talk about the Polygon network. And you could think of Polygon as an attempt to build the universal payment machine, the magic machine. It's one step closer. Recently, I had 500 Eurocoin, 
which equals 500 euros in the real world, of course. And I wanted to swap those for dollars. Put in my order, within 60 seconds, it's filled and settled. And it costs zero. So there are thousands of different networks that like to interoperate. Thankfully, these days, anybody can transfer from one network to the other. For example, the Bitcoin network, and you want to transfer that over to Ethereum US dollars. You can do that, likewise, pretty instantaneously for very low cost. Said another way, these networks can interoperate very easily from the user's perspective. For example, someone wants to pay me $100 worth of Bitcoin, that's fine. And as soon as it hits my wallet, it instantly converts from Bitcoin to uh, US dollars. Sweet. That's real. Setting up future contracts or setting up future payments or something along those lines is a little more sophisticated, but safe to say all of those tools exist and more. Every payment tool or mechanism you've ever heard of, plus a million more you've never even thought of. Here's another feature it's got that you might not have thought of. Cryptocurrencies offer the ability to sign things. In other words, prove who you are or prove ownership of something or prove that I signed this and I approve. <laughs> After all, email often serves the purpose of your ID these days. Ever seen those websites that say log in with Facebook, log in with your Google? They build trust with them and with you because you're the only one who knows the password and has a key. So you can use that to sign in and prove you're the owner very easily. And yes, as you'd guess, they have a crypto version of that. An example project would be MetaMask. So instead of logging in with your email or Facebook account, you log in with your crypto address. You don't type in passwords, you just prove your identity by signing something. Electronic signature. As people sit around theorizing about the decentralized Web 3.0, having a crypto ID like this is the cornerstone. And it bears repeating, it's free in every sense of the term. That authentication is one of the pillars of what crypto actually means. You can think of this as a solution to the perfect authentication machine. Always works, impossible to fake. For the last many decades, email has been crypto email, crypto traffic, crypto files. It stands to reason that humanity will eventually find a way to make a crypto web. And certainly a crypto form of money. With trust, verifiability, automation, and permanence at its core. So look, don't get frightened off by the word crypto. Every time you unlock your phone, every website you visit, heck, Visa and MasterCard, their entire system is heavily guarded with crypto tools, of course. So crypto's nothing new here, folks. Crypto is an idea that's been around for decades. It's the very bedrock of our internet-based world. Since the dawn of the internet, you've already benefit from the vast multitude of crypto systems in your daily life. So to sum up, every time it has the word crypto in it, it relies on some form of digital signature to make it work. A way that you can prove your own identity instantaneously to anybody, perfectly, with 0% chance you can fake it. Now obviously a digital signature looks nothing like a human signature. It's basically a QR code, if you want to think about it that way. You could also think about it like a 150 digit long number. Basically the real elegance in the whole matter here is one of these things that all cryptocurrencies have in common. They boil down all aspects of identity, passwords, 
administrative rights, ownership, all down to the knowledge of one secret magic number. The secret magic number, you could actually write it out. It'll likely be somewhere around 200 digits long. In effect, it's a random number. Your public receiving address is derived from that. Knowledge of that number is what you use to sign a transaction. As long as no one else knows that number, it is impossible for anybody to steal anything from that account. As soon as you show that number to the world, anyone can do whatever they want, sign whatever they want and steal and take out whatever they want. So really the crypto part, when we talk cryptocurrency, is referring to that fact. All identity boils down to a private secret magic number, usually about 200 digits long. And it uses this magic number as the mechanism to make the whole system work. That's what makes a cryptocurrency crypto. But that opens up the doors such that if anyone wants to make a new account, all you need to do is just invent a new random number. That's easy. <laughs> so as far as crypto wallets are concerned, I've got that on my phone, but all it is is a simple app that has my secret magic number saved in there. So I can have 10 different wallets and to add an account, all I do is add in that secret magic number. Boom. The key. But I also have that secret magic number on my computer. I can interact with it the exact same way. Identity comes down to the secret magic number. So I can put it on whatever device I'd like. Sweet. The software doesn't care if I'm on a computer, on a phone, or I type all this into some kind of black and white command prompt. Doesn't care. And the system doesn't even care if it's bots that are automatically doing this. It doesn't care. Which comes to another feature that cryptocurrencies share. They're agnostic. They are just mechanisms to pay one account to another account. That's it. Broadly speaking, there's no mechanism beyond that to get to know your customer. They don't care. They're agnostic. As it stands, we have the technology for the universal payment machine. The genie is already out of the bottle. It already works. There's a few key things keeping it from being household right now. One is the conversion from normal fiat currency, like US dollars and cash, to US dollar coin. Within our lifetimes, the United States Treasury, the central bank, will be issuing US-backed stable coins. That's definitely happening within our life. Payable to the universal payment machine. Because let's face it, no checks to cut anymore. Woo! <laughs> but that's getting easier and easier by the month. Along the way, there's quite a peer-to-peer -peer network. For example, I can land in Dallas, Texas, and pretty easily find somebody, pay them $1,000 in Bitcoin, and they hand me $1,000 cash. Yup. Which leads me to number two, which is the network effect. On one end of this gamut, what if you have a telephone, the best and finest telephone on earth, but you're the only guy on earth? It's not useful. Who are you going to call? <laughs> on the other hand, what if everyone on earth has one except you? Ooh. A lot of times there's a tipping point when it comes to adoption of technology. This has all been going on for over 10 years. Once that tipping point is reached, the dominoes start falling. So let's keep up with the metaphor of email. Now, they do have email as a service, such that they'll give you 15 gigs of storage, for example. 
or they filter it, you know, or that kind of thing. Can a Gmail address send to a Hotmail address? Or this university send to another university? Well, in the early days, no, actually. But, of course, over time, they figured out how to build the net and ultimately communicate with each other in a net intertwining everything together, the internet. So that means email went from little walled gardens to any email address can send anything to any email address. Yeah, with a million different cryptocurrencies out there, they've been building bridges between them for the last 10 years. So yes, they can cross communicate. Another thing about email is they have this ability to use a mask. Um, an example of this would be when I'm using Craigslist, uh, a lot of times when I'm communicating with people over Craigslist, Instead, what happens when I send them a message there, actually, Craigslist will send them an email with a one-time use kind of mask on it. And then when that person responds to that email, it'll go to Craigslist, and then Craigslist will send it to my email. The advantage of that is I don't have to reveal my email address to every single respondent on every single ad, and I don't need to reveal my true personal information to everyone on the internet. Especially if it's like my primary email, I'd rather have a one-time use mask. Right now in my own life, I use that system, the mask system, for every single website, service, subscription, and everywhere I go under all circumstances. That means I have about 400 different masks active at any given time. Any one of those individual companies only know the one email that I gave them. See where spam is coming from and I can turn them on and off and that kind of thing. But only I have the password, so only I can actually read them and send on their behalf. There's a lot of terrific services that offer masking of a credit card. So every online purchase you wanna make, it'll generate a brand new one-time use, 16 digits expiration card that you can use. And of course, set spending limits and that kind of thing. It's a lot more secure that way if that company gets hacked and your credit card number stolen, eh, it's useless outside of there. In fact, I never give out my original credit card number to anybody, especially subscription services. Woo-wee! Definitely get a masked card. And you guessed it, crypto's version of a universal payment machine has that built in at its foundation. For example, some of them, instead of just having one public address to receive everything, Instead, you just generate a new one for every transaction. What the heck? It's just another random number. It's free. You can think of it like a proxy, a mask, a gatekeeper, basically just a blank account that you control. So, of course, you can immediately forward to your main account or, for that matter, anywhere you want. So I can thus choose to give out my original account number and every detail of my identity or none of it and just use a proxy. A lot of stores and marketplaces do it the same way. They create a blank account for every single transaction. There's no downside. Back to email, I did want to touch on that one thing, the access. For example, you can have one account with Gmail, and then you have the app on your phone and basically save the password on your phone. That way it auto-opens when you click on it, for example. But obviously you can go home on your computer and put in the password right there, or for that matter, have it saved. But if you found yourselves out in the mountains of Nepal at an internet cafe, well, you could just log on to gmail.com, put in your username and password, and you could log in from Nepal. Oh, that's sweet. Now, this was true in the 80s, folks, okay? This isn't news. So in a certain way, we take it for granted. Anyone traveling the earth anywhere, as long as there's access to the internet, you can send an email, right? 
In fact, when you receive an email, you don't even know what country it originated from, generally speaking. And yes, with this version of the magic payment machine, the cryptocurrency version, as long as you know that secret magic number, you can access your money from anywhere in the world, as long as you got internet. A lot of apps using the universal crypto payment machine, browser extensions, desktop stuff, passcode, fingerprint scan, 2FA, basically whatever you want. All that magic is done, for sure. Now, if you have email on your phone, and then you lose your phone, it falls into the river. It's not like all your email just got destroyed. No, you just buy another cheap phone and enter in your password, ding, and you're back, right? And to touch a little deeper on the accessibility side, practically speaking, I'm an American living overseas in Vietnam. Naturally, I have a lot of money sitting in American banks, which I'm content with. At one point, they notified me that my driver's license expired, so I've got to fly across the world, show up with a brand new ID in person. Until then, the access to my funds is frozen. Now, no criticism here. They're after their customers' best interests. But this sort of event happens a couple times a year. I have money, but my access is cut off. Under my circumstances, that's potentially frightening. As a result, lately I moved my money onto crypto stablecoins. 1,000 US dollars in my bank account equals 1,000 US dollar coin. Once I have the crypto version secured with my secret magic number, then nobody can freeze it. Nobody can take it. No IDs or other passwords required. In other words, I have perpetual unfettered access to my money. Look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. The idea of the American economy or American banking system totally collapsing is not at all a worry of mine. I'm just a regular guy thinking about good old-fashioned accessibility to my own money. So from the standpoint of access, the universal crypto payment machine by far is the best solution. So this conversation will always keep circling back to that private number, secret key. You could call it a password if you want. But let's face it, we're human. We need things more suited to our daily lives. Yeah, and writing down a long list of numbers sucks. If you wrote it in binary, it'd be like 2,000 digits long of ones and zeros. So a lot of apps use the magic word feature. For example, instead of giving you the long number, it just gives you 12 magic words. Words like mighty, volcano, beach, leprosy, Rome, etc. That's your password. Now, five years, 10 years, 40 years in the future, crack open that app, put in those 12 magic words, boom, you're in. Make it into words makes it a little more accessible. We can sing them into a song. We can write them in a book. We can tell somebody over the phone. You want to give your buddy a birthday gift? You could just tell him 12 magic words to a wallet containing 100 bucks. Beep, 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 opens it up, boom, he's got the money. So now we can transfer money and wealth with words. That simple. On your deathbed, giving inheritance to your six children, you can just write them a letter and do a little postscript, 12 magic words. You can buy a yacht with 12 magic words. For example, you'd memorize them, then you show up at the docks to actually buy it, verbally tell them 12 magic words, he punches it into an app, beep, pops right up. There's the 40 million bucks. But now we both know the words. Anyone listening right then would know the words. So obviously, once he cracks open that $40 million uh, account there, he'll just transfer it right out to whatever account he wants. And to reemphasize, that's fast, easy, and cheap. Let's just appreciate how beautiful that is. 
words can replace money. We can send money just with words. But wait a second, couldn't a person just guess those 12 magic words? Sure can. All you got to do is take every single resource on Earth to build an ultra-huge supercomputer, let it run for a quadzillion years, and you'd have way less than a one in quadzillion chance of guessing the right 12 magic words. But help yourself. Just the combination of 12 magic words is more possibilities than there are atoms in the universe, folks. No, you're not going to guess it. You know them or you don't. So in this world, there are no judges or courts. Instead, it's replaced with the simple mathematical true or false. Do you know that magic number? Yes or no. If a family member wants to appoint someone as their power of attorney, show them the 12 words. If he knows those 12 words, he's got full unfettered access to that entire account for every practical purpose. Grandfather Mitsubishi over there in Japan could endow his son to take over the entire company, hand over every single asset, ability to pay anything, signing power, identity, with 12 magic words. Set over dinner. That's real. We gotta cover another one, which is micro payments. I mean, come on folks, if it's 200,000 transactions costing less than a dollar, any form of metered service, electricity, movie streaming, phone service, you could actually pay it by the second if you really wanted to. What the heck? A normal credit card frowns upon making a thousand transactions for a half a cent each. But with crypto, we were there years ago. What about paying all your employees by the hour exactly on the hour? So yeah, their phone would ding once an hour while they're there. Of course, if it's a husband working far away from home, he just has to tell his wife the 12 magic words. She's got instant free access to all the money. Whoa. And of course, in this example, you can dial up the complexity however you'd like, have multiple accounts, percentage splits, whatever you want. Yep. I'm not even going to dive into all the features it has related to escrow. Ooh. Oh my God. Like money on hold and contracts, insurance. The idea of setting up a contract with locked instructions that happen no matter what on a trustworthy machine is the first thing they thought of when it came to cryptocurrency. It's sexy. And from a certain point of view, it's extremely elegant. Do you know the secret key, the magic number? What about value? Let's face it, a lot of these cryptocurrencies have gone way up in value and then way down the next day. They're super volatile. How can you use that? Sure, let's look at it from an investor standpoint. Yep, that's absolutely true. Fortunes have been made and lost. The best analogy, I think, would be the stock market bubble of the 90s when the internet first got invented. Internet technology is not just one company. It's a whole galaxy of thousands of different companies, all with their own ideas. And once we start talking stocks, indeed, many people speculate on it or sell out. And likewise, the values of each of these individual companies can rise and fall. Once we acknowledge that cryptocurrency is actually a whole galaxy of millions of stars... Stands to reason that every day, a few thousand of them all of a sudden burn out and are worth zero. And every day, thousands more twinkle into existence. Stock analyst nerds like to use stuff like market cap and whatnot. Considering the entire galaxy of cryptocurrencies, I could throw things at you like, oh, combined market cap of a trillion dollars, two trillion, three trillion. But unless you are an investor, that's beside the point, really. So what? 
I could tell you the value of all cars in the entire automotive industry in the world is way into the trillions, but can I buy a car today and drive it? Sure, the value of all tech companies in America from a stock perspective is way into the trillions, but as far as you're concerned, can you connect to the internet and send a message, yes or no? Just because the stock price of all tech companies in America collectively went down by 30%, so did you just have a 30% slowdown in your internet? No. Did your phone bill get 30% cheaper or more expensive? No. From a practical on-the-ground usability standpoint, the broad collective value of this galaxy is kind of irrelevant, isn't it? The point is, they're working on a solution for the universal payment machine. I really ought to mention, though, there is a big difference between the tech bubble of the 1990s and the world of cryptocurrencies now. In the 90s, it took a lot of work to be one of those select companies that can be listed and traded. Certainly need a lot of money, regulation, a product, a bank account, and certainly a real-life office with real people. Quite often, only Americans are able to invest, and for that matter, usually just stockbrokers. They can only be traded during the opening and closing bells. So overall, there's a lot of barriers to a new tech company in the 90s. On the other hand, in crypto, a lot of those limits don't exist. One of the definitions of cryptocurrency is all of the source code is open and easy to copy. That means anybody can copy and paste the code, change the name and ticker symbol, boom, done in one day. No startup money, no office, nor humans required. Basically zero federal regulations in any way. Don't need to register as a corporation, don't even need a website. From there, anyone on earth can invest instantaneously 24 hours a day. Well, surely that must result in countless fly-by-night coins, pump-and-dump schemes, radical pyramid scams, rug pulls, and just the wild, wild west. Yep. When the cost burden to create a new coin is zero, and it can be done pretty much instantly, that changes the game. And imagine trying to do a scam by mailing out handwritten letters versus email. If you can send a million emails in one second for free, stands to reason that scams would go up by a million X. Yep. So when people accuse the cryptocurrency world of containing lots of scams, I'll be the first to agree. But so what? Let's remember that technology empowers everybody, the good and the bad. Let's take a look at your classic old school Ponzi scheme. But now take out the burdens of effort, money, and credibility. With a thousand X possible payout, and a thousand X the speed. And when it all comes crashing down, you have basically zero legal consequences. Hooey! This is definitely the golden age of scams at the global level. This is so common, they even have a term for it. Shit coins. The rise and fall of these is hilarious, actually. So I and most people don't even bother participating in these initial coin offerings. And they can do what they want. I got nothing to lose. Their existence is irrelevant to me. You don't need a PhD in economics to know that good old classic mutual funds are better than penny stocks. So yeah, people are welcome to invest in stocks and you're welcome to invest in various cryptocurrencies if you're so inclined. But again, none of that matters if you're not an investor, but instead just want to move money easily. So since we're on the topic, let's dive into the dark side. Because isn't it true that a lot of illegal things get transacted with crypto? Absolutely. But that was expected. I mean, wow, it's the perfect system. It's instant, always works, and with the right strategy, anonymous, and it can't be stolen or traced. All the benefits of an offshore Swiss bank account, plus a hundred more benefits, and it's free and in my pocket? 
Oh, and laundering money is basically instantaneous and free? Ooh. Well, I'll promise you, a lot of those kingpins already embraced it enthusiastically over 10 years ago. But let's keep some perspective here. By far, the number one vehicle of crime is good old-fashioned cash. A tiny fraction of a 1% of crime is done with crypto. By analogy, let's think about roads. I imagine as we speak here, someone's running drugs, contraband, slaves, or exotic animals around somewhere. For that matter, over 3,000 people die per day in traffic accidents. So yeah, about 50 since you started listening to this. The roads themselves are neutral. They're to serve everyone and make transportation easy. They're not inherently evil. The vast majority of drivers are just folks going to work, going shopping, visiting friends and family. So yeah, there's certainly a dark side. But so what? That has no effect on you nor the millions of other honest people that are simply seeking convenience. And it bears repeating that in terms of volume, the highest traded coins tend to be US dollar stable coins. These are coins that are pegged to $1. Last year they were $1, next year they're $1. Let's get some perspective. Our friends over at PayPal do a terrific job connecting the world. In fact, they move about a billion US dollars a day. I'm a big fan of good old Visa, and they operate VisaNet. These days they do 160 currencies in over 200 countries. You can see their sticker about anywhere. Those fine folks do about a half a billion dollars a day. Add up all credit cards, Visa, American Express, Union Pay, JCB, MasterCard, Discover. Collectively, they're about one and a half billion dollars a day. Good for them! Brace yourself though, folks. US dollar stablecoins is about 10 times that way over a hundred billion dollars a day. Look, this is not a fad and this is not just a passing trend, folks. Good old Western Union is going strong as the number one international remittance organization in the world. With over 10,000 employees, they move about a half a billion a day and they rake in 1.3 billion dollars in fees a year. But yeah, all the money that Western Union moves around the earth in an entire year is less than what stable coins move in one day before dinner. We're putting it another way, what Western Union moves in 24 hours, Stablecoins does that every five minutes. We may as well take a quick peek at one of the largest banks in the world, one of the stars of New York, JP Morgan Chase and Company. Every day they rack out about $60 billion worth of cross-border transactions, but still way less than half of Stablecoins. JP Morgan's sitting on about 300,000 employees. The stablecoin network has effectively zero. In 2021, those fine folks made a report regarding the full integration of stablecoins into their system. To quote them directly, round-the-clock cross-border payments in real time could potentially save global corporates up to $100 billion in transaction costs annually. Think about that. In short, since this network is public to the world anyway, why not? There's a few reasons for this. One is, all these coins can move for almost zero fees. And a major advantage is, they can move a million dollars or a billion dollars with one beep. Just as easily as they can move a thousand dollars or one dollar. It's definitely a thing of beauty. As a matter of fact, these days Visa is actually integrating US dollar stable coins into their whole system. As they see it, it's an extremely efficient way of moving lots of money. Visa debit cards that can be loaded up with crypto? Oh yes, there's hundreds of companies that are able to do that for you today. 
But how do cryptocurrencies really work anyway, and how is this even possible? I got one simple answer. Magic. Our boy Arthur C. Clarke once said, Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. If we look at our own lives, and someone asked me exactly how does the chemistry of petrol burn inside my engine and bring me around town. Sure, I have a vague idea, but magic. The cells of two parents splicing together to create a baby? Whew! People have studied that their whole careers, and they'll tell you, magic. When you flip that light switch, how does it illuminate your home that quick? How does that work? Wi-Fi, cell towers. These days, we can create a transistor just a few atoms wide and print a million of them for a dollar. Don't you dare tell me that's not magic. Within cryptocurrencies, there's thousands of subtopics. Over a few years, I've dove into over 100 of them. The deeper you go, the more you acknowledge it's magic. So the main takeaway about how it works is who cares? You're welcome to look into it. I tell you, it's a nerdy mathematician's wet dream. Instead, I suggest that you just throw it on that pile of a million other magical things we just take for granted in our daily lives. A lot of people object to the claim that cryptocurrencies somehow last forever. How can that be? I mean, that's sort of arrogant, isn't it? <laughs> First of all, it's true that a lot of currencies were worth a certain price at one point and then worth zero later. Sure, but the system didn't break and the system itself didn't stop working. People just stopped participating. Well, what makes any cryptocurrency a currency is the fact that it has a history, like a ledger, of every transaction that ever happened since day zero. As long as a full original copy of that exists, Bitcoin exists. Needless to say, they got a lot of copies of that floating around. Deep into the millions of copies, if not billions of copies, of that record of Bitcoin. So yeah, for that to fail, that'd mean every single copy of that record got deleted from every single computer on Earth, including all backups and all hard drives on all servers on Earth, all in one day. Whew, if that were to occur, that's Armageddon, my friends. That's the only way that would happen. And at that point, I would not care about Bitcoin. <laughs> so yes, except for Armageddon itself, it will last forever, guaranteed. So I've been calling it the universal payment machine, sort of as a placeholder. But again, it's an idea. I mean, what is email after all? Well, really, it's just a cloud of thousands of companies, thousands of providers, thousands of servers. It's a collection of decades of technology. The perfect universal payment machine will pop into existence under our noses. For example, the moment that WeChat accepts the crypto yuan coin. Boom. The moment PayPal allows anyone to pay with U.S. dollar coin. Boom. In the Philippines, 86% of all people use an app called Gcash. Stores, businesses, salary, you name it. This summer, they're integrating cryptocurrencies, especially stablecoins. In all three of these cases, what this means is, if you have any form of crypto on any chain and any amount, you can instantly convert it to whatever you need and pay immediately, all for less than a penny. But here's one of the outcomes. Normally, Philippines Gcash cannot talk to WeChat China. But if they can switch it to crypto dollars in between, easy. What we're talking about here, folks, is the possibility of unifying all payment networks. Visa, keep being Visa. PayPal, keep being PayPal. 
WeChat, do your thing. Gcash, congratulations. They are their own walled gardens. A main feature of cryptocurrencies are that they're universal. So they can weave together these different walled gardens and, in effect, be a bridge. So in these cases, people don't need to change their app of choice. You can just keep doing your thing. These apps just added the bonus feature of now being able to accept money to and from crypto, which means now they can receive it from anybody, any address, any currency from anywhere in the world at any time. So I can land in the Philippines with a thousand US dollar coin, crypto version, download and register Gcash on my phone, beep beep, swap to pesos and ready to use immediately. Accept it everywhere and I'm in the walled garden. Cryptocurrencies is not a 100% solution to the universal payment machine. Cryptocurrencies aren't the only technology trying to solve it. These days, WeChat and PayPal and other places like that have really gotten close. Cryptocurrencies are just tools. One way to get us there. These next 10 years, we get to watch the flower bloom. 2023, 2024, you're going to see a lot of moves in that direction. It's going to be subtle. You won't see any commercials on TV. Probably won't even hit the news. The goal of the internet in the first place. Connect the world and share knowledge globally. Connect people and let them communicate easily. Please make those family visits more frequent. Please help us become better people. Someone who's forced to stay at home, they can get their own education. The people whom it serves the most are the developing nations starting with nothing right now. We've got a lot of magic machines in our world. The magic communication machine, data sending machine, encryption machine, the perfect private communication machine, the machines that route all of our information around the internet. Thanks, boys. I look forward to beholding the universal magic payment machine, bringing money, payments, remittance, ownership, and proof of identity, handing that over for free to all humans walking this earth. The closer we get to equal access of money, the smaller the world becomes, the more connected we become, the more opportunities people have. The closer we get to that, the closer we become world citizens.